to drop by. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. We have a special exhibit this evening in honor of Band Books Week, so if you would kindly step right this way, we can begin our tour. Author J.D. Blackrose loves all things storytelling and celebrates great writing by posting about it on her website, slipperywords.com. She has published the Soul Wars series and the Monster Hunt Mom series, both through Falstaff books, as well as numerous short stories. Do follow her on Facebook and Twitter. This will be read for us this evening by my dear friend, Ms. Gabrielle Riel. Ms. Riel is the director of the online radio station Radio Riel, which offers six themed music streams daily, curated for those embracing vintage sensibilities. Tune in at Radio Riel, that is spelled R-I-E-L. The Book Burning by J.D. Blackrose The librarian patted the man on his arm and guided him to a Zane Grey Western. The Frenchman spoke English, and he'd come to the American Library in Paris looking for a little break from the war-ravaged world and a way to practice his English. Next to him was a soldier reading a technical manual on refrigerator repair. Catherine Dubois kept her smile plastered to her face as she helped Nazi soldiers looking for books to pass the time. Her colleague, Boris Nechev, the senior librarian, had been shot in the lung for not raising his hands quickly enough when being arrested. He was alive and in prison, but his fate was a sharp reminder that she couldn't afford to take chances. But neither could she stand aside. The front door creaked, and Catherine bit her lip and pulled her shoulders back. Her Schneider stalked into the library, the sneer on his face almost enough to make her drop her eyes, but she held fast meeting his gaze. Behind her, she sensed her assistant Madeline shifting to the right to hide in the stacks, such as they were. The library didn't have the resources it should have, but it was all the beleaguered citizens of Paris had. It was her job to maintain it and keep it open at all costs. Only Countess Clara's relationship with the Vichy Prime Minister, Pierre Laval, made the library's existence even possible. Countess Clara Longworth de Chambrun, the patron of the library, was born in Ohio, but had married Count Adalbert de Chambrun, and thus had Paul. That was the library's saving grace. 
she didn't advertise her own special, albeit modest, talents, which she applied as best she could. Herr Schneider, how can I assist you today? She grimaced as he shot her a disparaging look. No matter how she tried, she'd never get rid of her Marseille accent. I'm delivering this list, madame, and we expect you to follow its directions to the letter. It has come to our attention that this library owns several forbidden books. His upper lip curled in disgust, and he almost spit as he said the word forbidden. He handed her an envelope without looking at her. The envelope was unmarked, but the thick linen paper could only come from the Germans. She opened it, proud that her fingers only trembled slightly. She read the contents, folded the letter, and placed it back inside, taking the moment to gather her thoughts. All of these books are forbidden, she asked. The memo had been crystal clear, but she repeated it just to hear the horrible words out loud. She'd been expecting it, but still, it hurt. Her words also garnered the attention of the patrons in the library, who turned to stare. Appalled as she was by the reason for Herr Schneider's visit, she was relieved he didn't bring soldiers to ransack the library for the books because he might have discovered the basement. She'd spelled the door to creak when Herr Schneider got close so she would have warning of his arrival and a moment of time if required. Yes, Prime Minister Laval has approved personally, he sniffed. I understand many German soldiers come in here to get books. Books help the soldiers relax, Catherine said, so they can be more alert later. Herr Schneider dismissed her with a wave of his hand. Not these books, and we wouldn't want the troops exposed to them, or Paris's citizens for that matter. These books are to be eradicated. Make sure any copies are pulled by tomorrow night. That is all you have to do. I will send an emissary the following morning to gather them. He narrowed his eyes at her. If that is suitable for you, madame. His voice was dry enough to mop off a swimmer. What will you do with them, she asked, although she knew the answer. Why, burn them, of course. Good day, madame. Herr Schneider snapped his heels together, gave her a Nazi salute, and strode out the door. Madeline tiptoed out of the stacks. What books are on that list, Madame Dubois? The ones we expected. The ones burned elsewhere. She took a breath. All Quiet on the Western Front, The Metamorphosis, Bambi, The Time Machine, The War of the Worlds. She trailed off and rubbed her eyes. Bambi, said Madeline, her eyes scrunched up. The story about the baby tear? The very one. Madeline scanned the list. The Call of the Wild? Catherine gave a tired nod. The Column by Gustav Meyrink, Madeline whispered. It's a Jewish story. No wonder they want to burn that one. Do we have a copy? One, said Catherine. Catherine, what are we going to do? Catherine thought for a moment while a plan formed in her mind. She held up a finger, telling Madeline to wait, and walked behind the checkout desk. She sipped her tepid coffee, mourning the loss of a good café au lait, and sank into her chair. Madeline, 
please collect the books as Herr Schneider requested. We dare not disobey. The girl gave a small resigned nod of her head and left to do as instructed. Catherine walked to her tiny office, a broom closet originally, and lifted the chair onto the desk. She scribbled a note onto a scrap of paper and bent to her knees. She crawled under her desk, barely fitting even though she was skinny as a rail and a mere five feet tall. She pushed on a hidden panel and placed the note on a small shelf on the other side. Then she closed the panel and moved in reverse, exiting her office and closing the door with a soft click. She joined Madeline in pulling books, noting that the girl caressed each book with a reverence and that fat tears streamed down her cheeks. As the sky darkened, Catherine cast a last look at the pile on the table and shook her head. But she gathered her coat to her, picked up a copy of Vogue on a Home by Hans Grimm, and went outside. She timed it for the busiest time of day, when most people were closing up shop. Though there was not much left to sell, it wasn't cold, but she wore a scarf on the outside of the coat and walked at a sedate pace, as if she was simply enjoying the clear evening. A man who also wore a coat and a scarf passed her on the street and brushed her arm. The book dropped to the ground. "'Oh, I am so sorry,' said the man, as he retrieved the book from the concrete. "'Are you all right? Did I hurt you?' "'I'm fine,' Catherine replied, placing her hands in her coat pockets. "'Please don't worry about it.' I apologize again. I must remember to look where I'm going. When they parted, he held the book, and she hurried home. She took a different route in the morning and stopped at a small grocery that still had some meager supplies. Madame Dubois, good morning, said the gray-haired proprietor. The usual coffee? Yes, please, and a Danish. The man handed her the hot cup and a paper bag containing a stale Danish and a book. She opened the library with her normal efficiency, but if anyone was watching, they would have noticed that she whispered a few words under her breath while making a warding sign with her right hand. The squeak was on. She removed the book, a dog-eared copy of Les Miserables, from the paper bag and opened it to page 42, marked by an old postcard from Florida being used as a bookmark. Written on the back of the card was a message saying, yes, it is as sunny as you think. You would enjoy it. The only word that mattered was the word yes. So Catherine removed the postcard, tore it into pieces, and threw them in the trash, returning the book to the stacks. She'd asked Madeline to stay home that day, telling the sensitive girl that she didn't need to witness a book burning. Patrons streamed in and out all day, and she helped each one with a smile, but her stomach churned with anxiety. She understood why they came. Books provided a relief from the fear and hunger. Books were precious, and she was about to help burn a whole stack of them. She took a small break in her office and swallowed the hard Danish she'd saved from that morning. Her stomach growled. Shut up, Tommy. We'll get food tonight. 
she left her office and went back to work. Just before the library was to close, the door creaked, and Catherine closed her eyes to prepare herself. Are the books ready? Herr Schneider's voice boomed through the mostly empty room. The few patrons left scurried out the door as quickly as they could, never noticing that the door moved silently on its hinges when they opened it. Yes, Herr Schneider, I've piled them there. Catherine pointed to a table straining under the weight of dozens of books. He walked over to them and examined the spines. No copies of that perversion of literature, the Gollum? No, sir, we don't own any. I thought there would be more. I was told that you had a copy of The Sun Also Rises. He turned to her, lifting an eyebrow. No, sir. You're welcome to look through the stacks. You won't find it here. We may have had it once, but no longer. Probably burned already. Hmm. For your sake, I hope what you say is true. Giving her one last hard look, he snapped his fingers, and two soldiers rolled in a wheelbarrow and shifted the books into it. It took them two trips. The Nazis had decided to burn the books in the street in a public display of might. Catherine held still, chin up, as they poured gasoline on top of the books. People gathered to stare at the spectacle, and no one tried to stop the SS officers. Everyone watched, arms crossed tight over their chests, as the soldiers laughed and pulled cigars from their breast pockets. Herr Schneider, smiling broadly, gave one of the officers a signal, and the man took a lit torch to the pile. The fire caught slowly, but eventually it crawled over the hardbacks and paperbacks, and the flames rose in the growing dark. Look at them go up like matchsticks, one of the SS soldiers said, snickering. They burn like toilet paper. The soldiers laughed like they could not get enough, and several stepped forward to light their cigars in the blaze. Catherine stepped back two paces, so she was out of sight, but could still see the bonfire. She took a deep breath and held both hands up in the air, moving them in a complex pattern while singing in a soft rhythm, repeating the pattern three times. As she finished the last round, the bonfire roared to life, flames shooting into the sky in arcs of angry red and yellow. Sparks snapped at the bystanders as if the fire itself was offended at being forced to do this job. The conflagration caught the Nazis by surprise, and those that were standing too close caught on fire. They screamed in pain while everyone else ran for their lives. In the back of the library, a man wore a coat with a scarf. As soon as he saw the signal and heard the resulting chaos, he hurried down a set of old stairs and opened the door to the basement. Seven exhausted, gaunt people, an older man, a middle-aged man and woman, and four children ranging in age from four to 17, stumbled out into the night air. The older man stumbled, and the man with the scarf caught his elbow. Thank you, murmured the old man, in Yiddish and then in French. Each family member wore all the clothes they owned, and each had a book tucked into their skirts or shirts, whatever they wore. The 17-year-old secured the copy of the golem inside his jacket. The man with the coat and scarf urged them forward into a waiting truck and took off into the night. 
Catherine watched the burning books, smiling. On May 10th, 1933, university students in Germany burned tens of thousands of books in one evening. Books which had been targeted as being un-German. The crowds which witnessed the bonfires were entertained by live music and patriotic speeches from political party leaders. Lest you should believe we have grown beyond such barbaric practices, a quick inquiry on the internet will demonstrate that book burnings continue to this day. In this decade alone, undigitized works dating back to the medieval period have been lost forever due to library fires set by extremist groups. I have nothing against digital books, of course, but my personal preference is to have a physical copy which I can clutch within my cold, clammy hands. However, if there are any librarians out there listening whose work is to convert old books into electronic formats, might I urge you to work faster? The hour is late. You should be on your way now. Do come visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. Story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes, Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. Don't forget to support your local library and leave stars and reviews for our show. This episode was produced in September of 2019. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com.